I don't blame myself for this because I was like very much 16 years old and I thought Facebook was great because it'd be like um, another wonderful platform uh, for girls to ignore me on. Yeah. Uh, you know, because MySpace <laughs> wasn't enough. Um, you know, uh, but like, I, I, you know, I guess the politics around that was still very much like, you know, yeah, this is ostensibly progress. We can sort of communicate and connect with each other. Like the best of ideas would come, you know, and like at the time forums were like, I used to really enjoy being on forums. So the idea about like, there would be more forums and more people to talk to and more friendships. And, you know, the thing that you mentioned about sort of growing up in the 2000s and the idea that like, you know, when you sort of grow up on the internet and things like online friendships and online like relationships, like they are kind of a very normal part of your life, right? So right. the idea that like this is not only like something that is becoming more accepted, but will also become like part of a more universal culture, I think at the right. time sounded really, really appealing. You know, and again, that's like really interesting to kind of mention now because, you know, we sort of, even though I think society as a whole, like, um, you know, the idea of like an online friendship or an online relationship is kind of something that's broadly accepted as legitimate. Like, I don't necessarily think that like most people who follow the trajectory to us would necessarily think that like it was the best way to form a relationship or to kind of discover your politics and so on. You know, the whole like optimism of what the internet could kind of bring, I think is kind of really diminished. Um, yeah. As as more people have sort of gone on to use and as we've sort of seen the effects and what that has on like sociality. Um, and it sort of brings me on to like, you know, what one of the things I think about a lot is like as I think there's like this kind of social, like, you know, a, a souring of like, you know, the optimism that people had about the internet and what it could bring and like the ways in which it would sort of advance democracy. You've got these tech guys who on the one hand, like, have never been really like into expanding you know democratic rights or sort of even thinking about the state as a legitimate operator yeah we're trying to sort of justify their existence and justify why not only should they kind of retain the power that they have but like that they should get a lot more of it um and this is sort of where i kind of come to gary tan who admittedly i don't know like too much of his backstory beyond the fact that like he's the ceo of y combinator and uh, there were like lots of tech guys on Twitter who were very happy about this, not least because he, they were very happy that he was already kind of very involved in like local politics. Um, yeah. Could um, you, like for people who don't know who he is or like don't know where he fits in California politics, could you uh, give us like a summary of, yeah, just a summary of like what people should know? You know, up until last year, I had no idea who Gary Tan was. Um, you know, he is has a, a long history as an entrepreneur and then as a VC. Um, he founded some companies. It, these might ring to you. They might not initialize capital. He was an early employee at Palantir, mm. um, which is a Peter Thiel project. It all connects. Um, it's like it's kind of, you know, fucking... Uh, you know what? This is like a side point before I... I'm sorry to interrupt, but like it was... No, someone, no, no, go ahead. Someone, someone told me about this today where it's just like you have like limited series, you know, to like today's TV is all like limited series of like eight to ten episodes, but like um, being online is sort of like living through like season 13 of like House or whatever, right? Or like yeah. whatever like fucking legacy show yeah. was on at the time. Like suddenly like these characters from season two show up and you're like, oh, I kind of remember them, but like... And then you introduce new ones that have these sort of tenuous connections and you just get really exhausted by it. 
um anyway yeah so when you tell me like about his palantir link i'm like jesus christ man like at least be somewhat original you know i feel like i i try and be self-aware right because i don't want to be just like another writer on the internet who's shitting (laughs) on tech people that's so passe if (laughs) right and yet and yet i was um surprised and annoyed to find out who this person was and and i found out about gary tan because he was one of the loudest voices in trying to do um, a recall of a progressive district attorney here in San Francisco, Chesa Boudin, who, uh, whose name has uh, become kind of a viral issue. You know, Fox News, the most heavily watched um, cable news network in, in America and very right wing, made the San Francisco DA recall like a national story. Mm. Uh, like Tucker Carlson talked about it. So you, you wonder why um, does one random guy's efforts to be a voice for and to fund a recall campaign in California, why would that matter mm. to conservatives across the country? I mean, that's what started to bother me, right? And initially, before he blocked me, I, I started going at him on Twitter a little bit, being like, how can you support these things? You know, I called him out for being an early employee at Palantir, which has been accused of helping uh, the U.S. government deport children and, and families um, because of the use of its database technologies, right? Mm. And he was he was at first, you know, telling me, oh, like, I'm a lefty just like you. That's almost a verbatim quote. Um, you know, I, I believe in, like, the future of San Francisco. I just want to save the city. And so this whole, like saviorism that we see in sort of like big tech heads um Mm. it it, that's what it kind of reminded me of and it made me curious about why this person would be on on twitter you know telling you know their huge follower base that sf is crumbling it was once the city on a hill for tech and now Mm. because of poor i don't know like dealing with crime poorly like it's starting to die and sf needs to be saved and i'm sitting over here like I work on the ground. Like I feed people like mm. uh, in terms of the demographic who mm. you're complaining about, you know, I, yeah. and my takeaway is not that SF is ruined and crumbling and becoming Gotham city that needs to be saved by like a Batman figure. Um, it, it's just that, Hey, we went through a generational economic collapse called the pandemic. Yeah. thing called COVID. And we're starting to reap some of the consequences of a huge upheaval that, like literally hurt poor people the most. So, Mm. you know, when you look at drug use, when you look at theft, when you look at certain things and housing problems, it's like, you really think that uh, throwing your weight behind recalling a DA and installing someone who you say is going to be tough on crime and clean the city up. And well, this offended me, but like stop Asian hate as if hate crimes can be stopped by a new DA coming in with the big boy pants. Like (laughs) it's, it's, it it was just, yeah, I don't know who's saying it pissed me off. And what better reason to beef with someone on Twitter than randomly being pissed off by what they're doing. Yeah. But then he like blocks you. I mean, he blocks everyone else. So it's kind of like, I don't get his, I don't get his algorithm (laughs) per se. I've had a lot of people ask me like, did he block me just cause I follow like me, you like, uh, uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah, they, you know. can you can get like software where it's like they'll block you and they'll block sort of like your ten closest associates or like Maybe. you know the, you know those types of tweets where like you know those posts where it's like it visualizes your kind of like digital friend network based on how many times they retweet you or like your oh, post. Oh yeah, 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 that makes sense. I think it I think it works in that way. Although like don't like uh, take you know uh, I'm sure someone with better like tech knowledge knows like 
the specifics on that, but that's how I would sort of imagine it. Um, I mean, I went, I, I, I went on his account incognito uh, because that was the only way I could sort of access his posts. Um, and uh, the things that I kind of got, like I don't know, like from 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 a, if you were like a real outsider, he talks about stuff. To, you know, he the things that he kind of says it aren't necessarily like objectionable on the surface. No, so he'll kind of say things like, "Oh, we need more housing," and like yep. you know, we need to reduce crime, and we also need to like you know treat the homeless in a humane way because like we can't just like over police stuff. But then you know, and like obviously those messages are contradictory, but they're not necessarily like super controversial in the way that like a, Bla- um, a Blake Masters or a Peter Thiel might be, right? Exactly, um, yeah. But the, uh, the contention, that, the, uh, the understanding that I get, and I'd love like some expansion on this, is more that like he is still kind of, da- he is still like ultimately like a tech guy who believes in this weird, I don't know, like it's kind of like a revival of solutionism, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know how like prevalent that is in San Francisco, even though I imagine that it's like quite like, that sort of seems to be a reasonable policy or that seems to be like the sort of policy go to. So whereas like our first introductions to solutionism um, kind of come through this, uh, you know, this kind of idea that like uh, technocracy and just like the advancement of particular kinds of technologies can like help the state to achieve its goals in like efficient ways. Uh, and therefore like, you know, we should kind of, you know, in- instead of like thinking about political solutions, because I think, from what I read, um, uh, from what I read, like in research for this interview, the first kind of iteration of solutionism is very much like politics, like like doesn't work, and like the reason why so many policies haven't sort of, sort of been advanced, and like the reason why people are still like the reason why there's like a high a high of homelessness and stuff is because of political quagmires. And what yeah. these tech companies do in this neutral and objective way, as you mentioned, is to kind of like be able to pinpoint what needs a funding and where, and like. Um, the more more efficient uh, poli- more efficient like um, diagnoses can lead to better policy.